Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, I'm excited to jump into this second message of modern family. We're talking about modern family, what it looks like to live life in a modern world, how to do this thing called family in a modern world. And I believe that God's got something unique and special to speak to us today. Would you bow your heads with me? We'll pray. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that you are growing us, not only as people, but as families. You're growing us as friendships, God, relationships, people that you're putting in our lives and around us. We're so thankful that you've given us the gift of relationships, of of marriage, God, and of friendships and the things that allow us to grow as individuals and together as teams. Pray that you would bless every single person here, God. Pray that you would work in us, speak to us something today. Let it be your words and not my words. We pray that you would open our eyes and hearts to see whatever it is that you're trying to grow in us, God. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Well, hey, our theme verse for this series, Joshua 25, 14. But if you don't want to worship the Lord, then choose right now. Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did? Or since you're living on that land that once belonged to the Amorites, maybe you'll worship their gods. I won't. My family and I are going to worship and obey the Lord. And we're talking all about modern family, about how do we do family? How do we do this thing called life and family in a way that is pleasing to God? Because we live in a society that is very different than maybe what the Bible was written in. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. It's a little, the time's a little different. And, and we want to say, okay, God, if you were to come down and go, hey, this is what I want relationships to look like, family to look like, marriage to look like, what would that look like, God? So last week we talked about modern chaos. Did that help anyone last week? Did you order your week a little more this week? Any of y'all? No? Okay, well, hey, listen, I changed a little bit. Um, and, and we, we, we talked about what is the correct order. God, what order do you want our life to be in and how do we order it? Because until we get our life in order, we can't ever do modern family the right way. Until we order the things in our life appropriately, we can never really do what God is asking us to do. And so in this, I said, okay, God, what is, if first is putting you at the top of the list, what things come next, God? What is next on your list of importance? How many of you would like to know if Jesus came down today and said, God, what is most important to you? Jesus, would you tell me what matters the most to you? How many of you would like to know what he would say? I don't know about you, but I'd I'd be like, that'd be a question how on my list. Jesus, if I'm doing all these things, what things would be most important to you? And the Pharisees actually asked Jesus this. We see that that the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus, and they come to him, and they they say, Jesus, they're asking, throwing out all these questions. And so let me just, Jewish law is very different. We've got the Ten Commandments. Jews follow like 690 commandments that they believe that, that God is asking them to follow. And so imagine we just like try not to do 10 things. There's 690 things that they are constantly aware of. And it's why if you ever see them, they'll bind these little things to their forehead or sometimes they wear them around their chest or their arms or, because it's a scroll with all the commandments on them that they are trying to keep. And they always want, and I guess if you're trying to keep that many commandments, you probably do have to think about them all of the time. And so they, they live this different life than uh, the modern Christian would. So they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, of all of these commandments, of all the things that you've asked us to do, of all the things that we feel like are not him, our forefathers have asked us to do, what things are the most important? Thinking they're going to trick Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, I will tell you the most important things. And if you will do just these two things, everything else will happen. And all of a sudden, everyone get, you know, these what, two things, 690 laws. Is he crazy? What is he talking about? Two things. And Jesus begins to give his order of importance. Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. 35. 
One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's number one. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus says, if you want to know the order of importance to me, if you want to know what matters most to me, one, love God with all your heart. And that's what we talked about last week, ordering our lives, getting the chaos sorted out so that we can put God in the proper place that he needs to be. And then number two is, hey, order your relationships. Your relationships to God are the second most important thing. He goes, if you will love me with all your heart and then love the people around you in the way that I've asked you to, everything else will take care of itself. But how many of you know loving your neighbor is not as simple as it sounds sometimes? I live in the neighborhood with some of y'all, okay? <laughs> we, there's about 10 people from our neighborhood that all go to church here. So they see, sometimes they're like, man, that yard's getting a little brown. I'm like, watch your own yard, okay, and be at church on Sunday. But um, we, 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 sometimes loving your neighbor is not as easy as it sounds. And they go on to ask Jesus, you know, Jesus, who, who is your neighbor? I'm going to help you with who is your neighbor today as we talk about modern relationships. Modern relationships. What does it take to do modern relationships? For those of you who are single, this applies to your friendships or your dating relationships. For those of you who are married, your neighbor is the person that sleeps next to you every night. Cheese, like roll over and go, hey, neighbor. The first person that you are called to love is your spouse. And then after that, the people around you. I think as I thought through this message and started to write this message, how amazing it is that God packages gifts inside of relationships. I want you to think about what you were like before you got married. How many married in here? A lot, a lot of married people here. We had a lot of families. Think about what you were like before you were married. Think about how, what a gift, what a gift, husbands, that your wives are and how they've grown you. Think about the life that you lived before you were married, when you were single, and maybe you're in college, and you know, Saturdays, come on, we know, Saturdays are for the boys. How many Saturdays are for? The boys. We get in our recliners and our drawers, okay? Everybody get out the room. I get like, maybe, maybe you get your favorite snack, you know, Gordettos, or maybe Tostitos, or whatever you like, and don't interrupt me for 12 hours. To this day, when I go home, if I'm just at home at my parents' house, I have four brothers. We'll sit all in the TV room, and all of us, like you look around, we're all grown men, but everybody's in their drawers with their snack watching game day. Watching It can be from 7 in the morning until 9 at night. No matter. We're not leaving the game room. We're watching Saturdays for the boys. Well, you know, you get a wife. You're married. Saturdays is for the boys-ish. Saturdays is for the boys-ish if your chores are done. Saturdays are for the boys if all the errands are run and if the children aren't screaming and if the lawn is cut and if nothing needs to be fixed in the house, then Saturdays are for the boys. Think about how much God has grown you. I was in a conversation with someone and they were talking to me about the immaturity of, a, of one of our mutual friends. And they said, you know, he's just, he's just so immature and he does this and he says these things and, and you know, I just, when is he going to grow up? And he had been married probably two years, and I looked at him and I said, let me ask you this. What would you be like without your spouse? And he paused and he thought, I'd probably be just like him, I guess. Because <laughs> the truth is God gifts us in different ways than we expect. Oftentimes we expect God, God, give me wisdom, and you, bam, okay, now I know all things. God, give me maturity. Help me control my tongue, God, and all of a sudden, oh, I've just got this maturity that comes over us. But ironically, God likes to gift us with relationships. And so what happens is we go, God, teach me wisdom. And God goes, okay, are you ready for marriage? 
You go, marriage? I don't want marriage. I just wanted to be wise. And he goes, I'm going to help you be wise. I'm going to give you a relationship that will teach you wisdom. God, help me control my mouth. If I could just control my mouth, God, and the things that I say, then I would be okay. And God goes, wonderful. A wife will help you with that too. God, I'm lonely. If I could just not be lonely, I'm going to give you someone that will never leave you. (laughs) They will talk to you all the time. When you are lonely, when you are not lonely, when you want to talk, when you don't want to talk, they will talk to you. And we pray these prayers, and God goes, the way that I answer your prayers oftentimes is in a relationship. God, help me grow spiritually. Awesome. I'm going to give you a best friend that you can confide in. I'm going to give you someone that can sharpen you. I look at my life and look at the relationships that I've had and how my life would be different without key relationships. I look at King David and and his relationship with Jonathan. and I look at people all throughout Scripture and you go, if they didn't have this relationship, everything would be different for them. If they didn't have this friendship, all of their story would be written different. And the beauty of how God operates is he still has relationships and gifts that he wants to give you. It could be a person in your small group. It's why we're so big on small groups. Small groups started last week. If you haven't signed up, I encourage you to sign up. You will find friends that will change the trajectory of your life. We believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. This is awesome. We love church. Church is great. But true life change happens in the context of relationships. It happens when you get with someone and go, hey, I've got some issues and I just need to tell you about them and I need you to help me. And do you have any issues? And they're like, some. You're like, okay, well, make sure you tell me about yours too so we can hold, you know, have something on each other, both. So neither of us will rat the other out. You know? and, but no, someone that I can bear my soul with and someone that can bear their soul with me. That is where life change begins to happen and it all is a product of relationships Romans 12, 2, we see that the world has a product of their relationships. We see that there's a way the world does relationships. Romans tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you know God's will for your life is good and pleasing and perfect? God's will for your life is actually what you would pick if you could see the end result. If you saw the end result of God's plan for your life, you would go, God, that's what I want my life to look like, exactly that. And God goes, that's awesome. Now let's go on the journey of getting you there. And part of that journey is the relationships that he brings you. There's a reason that there's over a 60% divorce rate in America. There's a reason that marriages fall apart left and right. And let me tell you this, if you've ever been divorced, I don't hold anything against you. There is no guilt, no shame. Jesus is not the God of the second chance. He's the God of the next chance. And all of us are working in life to grow in areas. So I don't ever, anything I say today, I want you to know, is not from a position of, oh man, I messed up. And No, God is always going, hey, let's get it right this time. Let's figure it out this time. Let's change this time. Let's grow this time. Let's do better this time. And I had a conversation with a lady uh, the other day who had recently been divorced. And, and I said, I, I haven't been divorced, but I think that if I had been, there's things that I would do differently now, knowing what I know being in marriage. And she said, I will do everything differently now. So I believe that there's a way that God intends for us to do this. Let's talk about the world's way. The world's way, number one, and you're blank, find the right person. you got to find the right person. How do you find? I remember being a kid going, Dad, how am I going to know? How am I going to know? And he'd go, you'll just know. You know when you ask old people, how did you know Papa was the one? I just knew. Well, that doesn't help you much when you're in eighth grade, okay? I'm like, what's up, girl? You know? She's like, no what? I'm like, I guess it's not her, okay? I mean, you just go, how do you know? You, I, I don't know. All of us, you know, you find and then you just know and you know. So number one, you got to find the right person. Two, you fall in love. 
I love how we talk about falling in love, like, like it's a ditch. Like you just are walking and like all of a sudden, like, what has just happened out of nowhere? I just fall in love, which as anyone who has been married knows that love is not a ditch. It is a choice. It is a choice to daily love the person you're with. Number three, fix all your hopes and dreams on them. How many of you naively like me went into marriage going, I'm going to get married and this is going to be it. This is going to be the, my, my hopes and we're just, it's going to be awesome. Long walks on the beach and laying in bed for days together and just what could go wrong ever. And then you got married and you quickly realized there was a lot that could go wrong they didn't tell me about. Like how, how come no one told me about all the stuff that could go wrong in this thing called marriage? And you had your first year of marriage. And then number four, well, let me say this. When you get married and you fix your hopes and dreams on another person, let me say this for you single people, because you married people already know this. You will always be let down if you fix all of your hopes and dreams on a person. I am a, I am a great husband. Alex is a great wife, but she is a horrible God. And when I put my hopes and dreams on anyone other than Jesus, I am setting myself up for failure. The only person who will ever fulfill me the only person who can ever truly fulfill me is God. And the only person who can ever truly fulfill you is God. And I talk to a lot of husbands and wives who are miserable with each other because they're dead set on making that person fulfill them. And if that person can't fulfill them, they're going to make them fulfill them. And they have to learn the reality that no one can fulfill you fully except for God. And you will always be searching for another person if you cannot find your fulfillment. And God, number four, if failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. If failure occurs in the world's way, you just repeat steps one, two, and three. Find another right person. Fall in love again. Fix all your hopes and dreams on them until it falls apart. Let's look at God's way. God's way, number one, become the right person. Become the right person. God never calls us to find the right person. He calls us to be the right person. And I once heard someone talk about, about this concept. Is they said, run your race as best as you can. And if you look over and someone can keep up with you, that's who God's called you to run with. Find, not, don't find the right person. Become the right person and you will find the right person. When you are the right person, people always say, if you want Mr. Right, become Mrs. Right. If you want Mrs. Right, become Mr. Right. Some people are Mr. Way Wrong, but they want Miss Right and wondering why they can't find her. You go like, I don't know if, 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 if I, I don't think Miss Right would go after you, to be honest. Like, I don't know what you're looking for, but I don't know many people that are looking for the guy that lays in his drawers all day and watches TV and doesn't have a job. And like, I don't know if, if you're going to find Miss Right like that. Become the right person. Two, walk in love. Don't fall in love, walk in love. Jesus calls us to be people who, who, who radiate this concept of love. That are friendly to everyone around us. You hear us talk about it a lot here, what we call life-giving. That we're encouragers. That we're cheerleaders for people. That we celebrate everybody. The people that love us, the people that hate us, we're going to celebrate them. And we're going to cheer on the people around us. We're going to walk in love. Become the right person. Walk in love. Three, fix all your hopes and dreams on God. Fix all your hopes and dreams on God, the only person who can ever fulfill you. And then number four, if failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. If failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. I love this verse in Malachi because the people come to God and they go, God, why aren't you listening to us? Why can't you hear us? We feel like you're distant from us, God. 
And God answers them something that I find very, very unique. Husbands and wives, this is very important. Those of you who aren't married yet, remember this. Malachi 2, 13. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. Why, God, why is this stuff happening? God, why can't you hear me? Why does it feel like when I pray, nothing happens? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? What does God want? What is it? That's a big question right here that he goes, what is it that God seeks? Godly offspring. Let me tell you this, oftentimes people think the fight is for the marriage, and I believe the fight is for marriage as well. But if the enemy were to open his playbook and show you what the fight is really about, it's what it's always been about. It's about the seed. It's about the child. It's about the life that's inside of each and every one of us and our ability to take that and grow up into something that can defeat the enemy. It's why when when Jesus was born, they killed all the babies under two. Why? Because he was trying to create a scenario where the baby would not rise up, where the offspring could not do what it was called to do. It's why when Moses was born, they killed all the babies again. Why? Because he was trying to stop someone that would set freedom to a people. And I don't know if you realize this, but there is more abortions that have ever happened. The the number is staggering. Because I believe that the enemy is trying not to kill the marriage, but he's trying to kill the seed. He's trying to kill the calling. He's trying to kill the hope. He's trying to kill the future of what he knows is unstoppable. And he's after our seed. He's after our godly offspring. So be on your guard and not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. How many of you know the Bible says that when two become one, when a husband takes a wife, the two become one flesh? And he says, listen, when you do violence, when you don't protect that person, when you don't love them, when you don't treat them well, when you don't care for them, you're really doing violence to yourself. And anyone who's ever lived with a spouse that you've offended said amen, because you realize when they're mad, guess what? Whether you want to be happy or not, you're not happy. When they're upset, if your husband or wife is in a mood, guess what? Everybody's in a mood. Okay, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If mama's mad, nobody's like, this is a great day. Everything's going good. I feel awesome. It's just wonderful. I tried that one time. We got married, and I said, listen, she's going to be angry. I'm just going to be happy. I'm just, going to be, I'm just not going to be. And the happier I got, the angrier she got. And then one night I woke up, and she was just standing over me, staring at me. I was just <laughs> It doesn't work because the two are one. And he says, he has done violence to the one he should protect. So be on guard and do not be unfaithful. I think that we live in a world that has forgotten that God calls us to have covenant with each other in friendships, in marriage, in relationships. And it's come to this commitment thing. A commitment is only needed when when times get tough. You stand at the altar with people. I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding. I've done some weddings and told you about some weddings I did that were horrible, okay? And um, you stand there and people stand before you and you go, okay, do you take you to be your lawfully wedded husband and wife, to love and to cherish, till death do us part? Yes, till death, nothing can separate us but death. And about a year later, I counsel them and this just isn't working out. You know, we just, uh, I just it's different than we thought. And, and, and I want to go, like, what happened to the to death part? Like, where, where was that? Like, I, y'all, I don't, like, marriage is hard, I get it, but like, I just want to make sure. So now when I do weddings, I just go, listen, as we're doing, okay, till death do it. Is there anything else that would separate you guys? Let's just put it in there. Like just, for, just to be sure. You just tell me. 
Is it, well, you tell me. Is it, a, if, is, is, is it infidelity? Let's put that in there, okay? Is it if he hits me? Let's put that in there. And I'm not saying, listen to me, let me say this. I'm not saying stay in an abusive, terrible relationship. God provides very clear guidelines for you to protect yourself and be out of something like that. I am saying within the normal bounds of hard marriage, because marriage is hard, and anyone who is married knows how hard it is, what will we allow to separate us? And let me talk about this. What is it in our friendships that will allow to separate us? My best friend since I was a kid, four years old. How many of you have a best friend like that? Like knowing you your whole life. It's rare. The longer I live, the more rare I realize it is. We still talk every week. We still hang out. We still, he comes and sees my kids. We, my best friend in the whole world, we have had probably three different conversations since we've grown, because we are very different. We grew up best friends, and he became an accountant, and I became a preacher, and we're just very different people. And, and we've had to sit down on three separate occasions and go, hey, are we willing to keep working on this relationship? I know we say we're best friends, I know that we, but are we willing to invest in this? Is this a relationship that, that's worth fighting for? And both of us would sit there and you know, go, hey, yeah, this is a relationship that's worth fighting for. I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to be friends. I want to continue to make those phone calls when we're busy. I want to continue to make trips together. I want to continue. Because marriage is hard, but all relationships are hard. And if there's not a commitment there on our behalf, we will walk away. Commitment on the back means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in left you. Commitment is, means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. How many of you know the mood, the wedding day mood? When she looks beautiful and you look good and you've been on plexus for six months because you're trying to get skinny and everything's perfect on that day. That mood does not last forever. And every married person said, amen. And those of you who aren't married, they go, well, they don't know us. They just don't know us. We all said that, okay? All of us said, you don't know us. Every one of us. Not one of us ever got married thinking this is going to be hard. We all got married thinking that they don't, they don't know us. I'm sure it's hard for them, but they don't know us. We're just different. We, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. Everyone you hear laughing are people that said these things. And, and that mood goes away. But the reason you need a commitment is for the tough days. I was in the Air Force. I spent four years as a medic in the Air Force. And you go in and you make a commitment. And let me tell you, you can't divorce that commitment. Let's just, <laughs> there ain't no divorce in the commitment once you sign on that line. And you sign and you say, I'm going to protect my country and I love my country. I'm deeply patriotic. I would sign up and do it all over again if they asked me to. Love it with all of my heart. And, and, and you sign and you go off and, you know, you go through basic training. You go, and there are days in this process that you go, what did I do? Why in the world did I, four years, what was I thinking? I have so much better stuff I could be doing four years. And your friends are in college and they're going to football games and taking trips. And you're waking up at 4.35 in the morning. And you're going to work. And you're working all day. And you're going to PT. And then you're up in the middle of the night if they call you. And you're, and you're, and you're looking around. You're texting. Your friends are texting you from the B spring break. And you're like, work life. Like, and the commitment, however, that you have made refuses to let you out when times get difficult. And four years, I'm going, okay, you count the days. Okay, four years. Okay, got you know, got a little... But I was constantly reminded that what it taught me was staying true to something long after the patriotic moment I signed up in had left. And really what it was doing was it was preparing me for marriage because there was many days where if I could have gotten out, I would have gotten out. 
that I had to realize that there ain't no out here. There's prison, I guess, but I'd rather be here than in prison, so I'm going to just do this. And when you take yourself out of relationships that God brings you, whether it be friendships or marriages, you are putting yourself in a prison of isolation. You are putting yourself in a position where you're isolating yourself from the people who love you and care about you. You're isolating yourself from friendships that God has brought you to speak life into you. You're isolating yourself from people that God put in you to help build you up into what he has called you to be. And we'll find ourselves lonely and you'll find yourselves lost. You'll find going, God, how did I get here? And he's going, I'm sending you relationships. Because after loving me, the most important thing you can do is tend the relationships around you. As being in the Air Force, we had the Thunderbirds, and I don't know if you, you know what the Thunderbirds, it's kind of like the Blue Angels, okay, and they're awesome, they do all kinds of stuff, and because I was stationed at a fighter base, they'd come and do these shows on the beach, and you'd see it, it's just phenomenal, but one of the things that they do, the Thunderbirds do, when they fly, they fly in this formation, and um, there's only two times they fly in formation, one of them is when they're doing a show, and um, how this formation works is, there's the lead plane, and then the planes go back from there. You would think if you're a plane, if you're a, a pilot flying in formation, that you would probably want to look at what's in front of you. Like if you were driving, you'd want to look at what's in front of you. But this is not how they operate. How they operate is the lead person, the lead jet, every single jet keeps its eye on a point on the lead jet. And wherever that jet goes is what they do. So if they turn, they turn. If they go, if they go down, they go up. Wherever that point, they don't even look at what's in front of them. All that they look at is the point on the jet. And it actually happened one time where something went wrong with the lead jet. The lead jet went down into the water. The entire fleet went with it. The entire fleet, all planes went with it. You think, well, that's stupid. They were all fixed on one spot, and they refused to break off because they knew if they were following him, he knew where he was going. The other time that they do it is if they're overseas and they're in storms and the weather's bad and they know that they can't separate, they will, find, they will fly in this formation. How do you know if we stuck together when times got hard in friendships and marriages, if we just took that principle and said, listen, if now more than ever we've got to stay together. Because while it may seem like the person at times you're fighting is the relationship you're in, it is not. It is the enemy who, is a, who, who is, delights in accusing the brethren. It says he's an accuser of the brethren. His whole job is to accuse us of stuff. His whole job is to go to your friend and go, you know what she said? Look at her. She looked at you like this, and I bet she thinks you're fat, and I bet she doesn't like what you're wearing. And, and you ever get in those conversations with yourself where you're like, I know, I know it. They just, you know, they hate me, and they just, they haven't called me in two days. And I text and they didn't respond. And, you know, I think when they don't respond, I was with her one time. She didn't respond to her three minutes, and she said, I'm not ever responding to Becky because I hate Becky. And I bet she said that to me. And all of a sudden, you start formulating in your mind, what is that? It's the enemy. It's the enemy who longs to go, yeah, Becky does hate you. Ugh, let's kill Becky. Like, and begin, and it sounds silly, but you've all been there. Where you have this self-talk in your mind that in actuality you sit down and the person goes, I'm sorry, my grandma was in the hospital. I didn't have service, and I would have texted you if I saw it. And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, so you don't want to, okay, all right, Becky. I love you. I love you, Becky. And you feel bad. Because the enemy's job is to try and break up the relationships that God has brought us. They're supposed to get us somewhere. God is bringing you relationships that are supposed to get you somewhere. And if the enemy can strip your relationships away from you, he can stop or delay the journey that God has you on. His desire is to break up our relationships. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in. You only need the commitments for the hard days. We wouldn't need a commit if it was easy. 
If it was easy, we'd just be like, oh, okay, this is this easy. Why do I ever have to make a commitment? You only need the commitment on the hard days. I want to talk to you about what is it that Jesus commits to us. We have a lot of commitments that maybe we commit to Jesus. That maybe we go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you, ever, you ever make a commitment to God? Okay, God, if you just get me out of this situation, I won't ever. I promise. I'll never, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. I'll never do. But how I many of you know Jesus commits some things to us? And today I think it's important that you know his commitment to you. Not just our commitment to him or our commitment to the relationships around us. But I believe if we can follow the guideline that Jesus gave us, it will change the way we commit to our relationships. And I love what Jesus did because Jesus doesn't just tell us these things. Jesus doesn't just go, just stay loyal to people. Okay, just love people, just protect people. Just... Jesus first modeled it himself. He came down. He lived a life. He died on the cross. He made a commitment to us with his life and said, listen, I'm going to do it first and show you how to do it so that you can do it after me. So I want everybody to say with me, he did it and so can I. He did it. So can I. Let's talk about what Jesus commits to us. Number one, I commit to prioritize you. Jesus commits to prioritize us. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He prioritized us. Listen, husbands, I don't know about y'all, at times I fail to prioritize my wife. At times, I fail to prioritize. Last week, we talked about the chaos of, and, and trying to order our lives. and We've got to do better at prioritizing. Prioritizing the relationships in our life that matter. I'll be on my phone. It's fantasy football season for those of you that, that don't know. And those of you that know, you already know. You're checking your scores. I see you. And um, you, you're playing fantasy football, and I have this league, and we're all on there. And we do this thing called Marco Polo, and you're like sending videos back and forth. And... My wife walks in the other day, she goes, you've literally been on Marco Polo for like two hours. I've been sitting here like waiting to talk to you. And you've been, and I'm like, yeah, but if I miss one, I got to go back and watch them all. And then like, we're talking fantasy football. And, and she just looked at me and I had the realization of my priorities were far off. Guys, we've got to commit to prioritize our relationships that are important to us. We've got to prioritize. We can't allow what's going on in the world around us to distract us from the things that are priority. Number two, Jesus commits to pursue you. I commit to pursue you. Jesus tells it, Revelations 3, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. I mean, you know, Jesus is always knocking. Jesus is always pursuing you. Jesus isn't a Jesus. I think sometimes in the South especially, we think, well, God's mad at me. I did this, been living bad, God's mad at me, and you know, he's just going to, maybe he knocked once, I didn't answer, so he's like, well, forget that, I'm going to knock on somebody else's door. How many you know Jesus is always knocking? Jesus is always pursuing. And some of you, Jesus has been knocking for a long time. He's been knocking on some area of your life. He's been knocking, going, okay, hey, just let me in, just let me in, just let me in, just let me in, just let me in. Waiting for the one time that we go, okay, Jesus, just come in. Jesus pursues us relentlessly. He will never stop. He won't give up on you. He doesn't quit when times get hard. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. His whole desire in life is to pursue you, to spend time pursuing you. Number three, I commit to possess you. This sounds a little crazy. You go, possess, Christian. Like, I don't want to be with somebody possessive. Like, what does that mean? First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. God possesses us. 
He's a jealous God over providing for you. He is jealous over celebrating you. He is jealous over healing you. He is jealous over loving you. He is a God who is jealous over caring for you. And I know that, that women, you go, well, I don't want to be possessed. I don't want my husband to possess me. How many of you know when another woman walks by and checks out your husband, all of a sudden you get real possessive? My wife will grab this is my man. Don't look at my man. My, she was looking at you. I'm like, I didn't even see her. Well, don't. She was looking at you. It's my man. How you know, I, we possess each other. I am hers and she is mine. When you are in a relationship with someone, when you are in a marriage, I possess her and she possesses me. I'm no longer my own person. Sometimes I wish that I was my own person. Come on. I wish I could lay on the couch and watch ESPN all day. But I possess her and she possesses me. Sometimes she wishes she could go shopping all day at the Galleria. That won't ever happen, okay? Because I possess the monies. <laughs> we possess each other. Number four, I commit to protect you. Jesus commits to protect you. Psalms 121.7. The Lord will protect you from all dangers. He will guard your life. The Lord will protect you from all dangers and he will guard your life. I love this because as a husband, guys, you know, you get married and one of the things you're, you're proud of is protecting your wife. You know, let somebody walk up in here, see what happens, okay? They come through, I dare somebody to come through my house, see what happens. Alex is like, well, then why do I sleep closer to the door? I'm like, it's a distraction technique, okay? If they come in, you tackle them, I'll get the guns while you're fighting them and then I'll deal with it. She's like, <laughs> just lunge at them. She's like, it felt like you pushed me. I'm like, well, you don't know what a lunge is, okay? So... We're jealous over protecting our spouses. How many of you know God is jealous over protecting you? That God is jealous over protecting you. That when you lay your bed, there's a verse that I love, and it says, the man who is protected by God has no fear of intrusion. That you don't have to worry about, you can have weapons, you can have guns, you can have an arsenal, and those of you who are from the south, we got arsenal. You know, you keep your gun next to your bed, a gun under your bed, okay, your other gun over here, and like, strategically, sometimes I walk around the house in my drawers, and I'm just doing stuff, Alex is like, what are you doing? I'm just practicing, just in case, tonight might be the night, just in case. God loves to protect you. You can lay your head on your pillow at night going, God, you are my protector. You are my defender. I had a pastor call me this week, and he goes, this person's talking bad about us, and he's saying this stuff about us, and what do I do? Let's, let's roll up to his house. Come on, roll with me. Let's roll up on him. I know there's a gangster inside a Christian. Come on, let's just roll up on him. I see those tattoos. I'm like, they're, they're fake. They wash off. Let's roll up on him. And I told him what my dad has told me my entire life. I said, listen to me, bro. God is a great defender. You don't need to defend yourself. Let him say what he wants to say. Let them post what they want to post. Let them. God is a great defender. And he delights in defending us. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I've wanted to take out vengeance on people. That I have to remind myself, God, you delight in protecting me. Like I would be mad if anyone else protected her. He goes, don't, I don't want anything else. I want to protect you. I want to be the person that you brag about protecting you. And then number five, as I close, I commit to purify you. I commit to purify you. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Listen to me. 
we have power not only as people and friendships. Because don't, I don't want you to walk away from here going, this was about marriage. This is about every relationship in your life. Friends, you have power to speak into your friends more than you could ever imagine. You have power to look at your friends. Some of the most hurtful words that ever have come to me my whole life were not from my wife. They were from my lifelong best friend. Because he alone can speak things into me because he's known me my whole life that no one else can. You have the power in your friendships to be able to look and go, I believe in you. I know maybe you messed up. I know maybe it seems tough. I know maybe it seems tough, but I believe in you. You can do this. I'm going to cheer you on the whole way. What is a best friend? You're, hey, this is my best friend. This is my bestie, BFF. Where's the BFF when I need you like N-O-W? Like when times are H-A-R-D, I need a BFF. I don't need a BFF when we're in the club and everything's fun and we're taking selfies. I need a BFF when I'm on the floor crying and everything's going wrong and my world is crashing. Let's be friends like that. That's the beauty of a small group. Getting with people who are there for you. That when the world crashes around you, because it will, life will get hard. Marriage will be difficult. Friendships are difficult. Jobs do come and go. This thing called relationships and life is hard. But how much easier when we have something to pull us through. When we have someone to stand with. That can help us and speak life into us. What, is it, what does it mean when he says I purify you? He's speaking of Jesus purifying the church. And I love it because the, the, the enemy goes to God all the time and goes like, look, look at what Christian's doing. And he did this. And, and Jesus just goes, whoa, whoa, listen, listen, God, I don't, I, let me, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that I got it. I want to deal with it. Christian's awesome. Christian's heart is in the right place. Okay, I, I don't know if he did it. It's Christian. He probably did it, but I'll deal with it. And God calls us to be the same way with our relationships to purify those around us, to speak life over her. That the times where she goes, I just don't feel good. I just don't feel good enough. I just don't feel, what, what am I going to do? What, what do I do? What is my spot? What is my role? Who am I? Who am, then I go, I, God called me to purify you. He called me to speak life over you. He called me to speak purpose over you. He called me to speak intention over you. He called me to speak greatness over you. You're the best mama in the world. No one in the world makes pancakes like you make pancakes. No one in the world can cook hard-boiled eggs like you cook hard-boiled eggs. Taco night, nobody, you got the best taco night in the world. You're just saying that. No, I mean it. I don't even eat tacos anywhere else. You're the taco, best tacos in the world. Why? Because God called me as a husband to speak life and purify her. That when the enemy throws accusations against her, that I'm able to go, those aren't true. Wipe those away. Those aren't true. You're not insecure. You're not fat. You're not ugly. You're beautiful. You're the most beautiful person God ever made. God calls us to speak life. He calls us to purify those around us. He calls us to defend those around us. And just as Jesus prioritizes us, pursues us, possesses us, protects us, and purifies us, he calls us to be that to a world around us. Starting first with the most important relationships in our lives. In a world that is easily walked away from relationships, that we would be people that stick to our commitments. That we would be people that stand firm when it's hard. And that we would follow this. Husbands, I want you to take your wives by the hands. Wives, let them grab your hand. Okay, even if you're on a fight. And I want you to say to them, I commit to prioritize you. I commit to pursue you. I commit to possess you. I commit to protect you. And I commit to purify you. It is our joy as spouses, wives, you too. This isn't just to the husbands. This is you too. 
that God has called us all to be people that love each other fiercely, that we love God with all our hearts, and after that, the people around us. The person whose hand you are holding is a gift that God has given you to take you places you could never go without them. They are meant to take you places you would never see without them. And God goes, I'm going to give you a gift that's going to propel you further than you could ever go alone. Let's prioritize the relationships in our life. Let's make them great. Let's show them how much we care about them. If it's a friendship, awesome. If it's a relationship, awesome. If it's whatever it is, let's prioritize those relationships. And let the world around us see something is different about the way these people do life together. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Jesus, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that you gave us the greatest relationship there was. There's never been someone that provided a relationship like you provide. There's never been someone who cared about us like you care about us. There's never been anyone, God, who delights in pursuing us and protecting us, prioritizing us like you do. We're so grateful, Jesus. No one in the world could have thought up the system you did. Relationships to propel us, relationships to take us where we need to go, marriages to get us where we need to go. But God, you blessed us with these relationships. I pray, God, that we begin to prioritize the relationships in our life, that we begin to protect them. We begin to pursue those around us. We begin to purify them and possess them, God. And that we show a world, a modern world, God, how to do an uncommon commitment. That our commitments would be different than the world around us. They would be yours. I want to pray over y'all before we do an altar call. Man, I just want to pray over you guys because relationships are hard. If that's you and you just go, listen, every head bowed is between y'all. You go, Christian, there's relationships in my life I need help with. I'm, like, like, I'm in a spot where relationships are really hard. Maybe you're lonely and you need God to bring you a divine friendship. Maybe it's a family member or a spouse or, 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 or friendships in your work that you go, Christian, I'm really struggling with relationships right now. Is that you? Would you raise your hand for me? I just want to pray over you. I just want to pray strength over you. Dear God, you see every single hand. God, you know the desire of every single person's heart. You know the hurts and the wounds, God. You know the joys. You know the times they've been let down. God, I ask that you would touch their hearts. I ask that you alone would fulfill them. I ask that they would see the way that you value them, God. And in that, it changes the way they value the relationships around them. God, I pray strength, I pray joy, I pray purpose, I pray divine friendships over every single person here. That they would go to a small group and meet someone, God, that would end up being a lifelong friend. Bless them, God. Bless them with friendships that come straight from you that will help propel them further than they could have ever gone. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're here and you go, Christian, I've never encountered a relationship with Jesus like you're talking about, one where he loves me and protects me and purifies me and possesses me. And I never knew a Jesus like that. I knew a Jesus who was mad at me or angry at me. Or maybe you've done religion or you've done church, but you've never done a relationship with a Jesus like that. If that's you today and you say, today, Christian, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Would you raise your hand for me? I'm going to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. 
put your hands down. Now, if you would repeat this prayer after me, and again, you can say it under your breath, you can whisper it, you can pray it in your heart. I just want you to mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for showing me what a real relationship looks like. I believe that you came from heaven, that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, and then you rose from the dead to give me freedom in life. Thank you for giving me the ultimate relationship. Today, I become a follower of Jesus. I enter into a relationship with you like the one we talked about today. I love you, Jesus, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. Now, God, I just pray for every single person that prayed that, that you would seal it in their hearts that you would start something fresh in them, that life would be born into them, that you would breathe life and hope and joy and friendships into them, God. And that we would see life change happen. They would experience your joy like never before. They would encounter your loving presence. Bless them with friendships abundantly. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives. Praise God. Hey, I encourage you, if you haven't gone through growth track, it'd be a great week to start. If you haven't jumped in a small group, go online. You can go on the registry online and find them. We've got all kind of small groups from golf to walking to Bible study small groups. And God's going to do something amazing in them, I believe. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.